Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. I'm Hilmarie Hutchison and today I am again joined by my excellent co-host, Melvin Abram. Welcome, Melvin. Hello, Hilmarie, and thank you for the warm welcome. Today, we are excited to introduce the founder of GoLive Mobility Solutions, as well as a renowned consultant, facilitator, and seasoned entrepreneur with over 17 years of experience, Naveen Narendran. He's also an associate partner of Abami, involved in all aspects of Abami's business operations in KSA. He's a sports enthusiast and plays a wide range of sports. Wow, incredible. Naveen, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Hilmari. Thanks, Mel. Very happy to be here. It's lovely to have you. So some of our listeners may already know your story and who you are, but for those who don't, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? So keyboard, music, father of three, beautiful, loving family, adventurous believer in some sort of a superpower beyond current comprehension. That's me from the uh, non-professional front, but that's uh, a lot of the exciting stuff as well. Professionally, as exciting with Abami, I'm a partner and have been with them for about 13 years now. And I also started off a company called GoLive that was into uh, mobility services, mobile technology platforms. I also have about 18 years of experience across information security, including uh, some work that I did in the UAE, my previous company called Paramount. And I was involved in the retail sector back in India. Traveled to some interesting places, happy to do that. And I'm also part of a trust in uh, back home in India that looks at pushing education through the underprivileged. So that's a bit of a nutshell. That's who I am. Thank you for that nutshell. That was very, very short and sweet. So can you share with us a backstory about what brought you to your specific career path? So I think it all started off by me not getting a seat at the MBBS or the medical entrance exams because I wanted to be one, a doctor. And finally, I did get a seat in what is called Ayurveda, which is, uh, let's say, the, the ancient medical practice that is still very popular in different parts of the world, including here in Dubai. And I remember getting that call and Ayurveda is down the list in terms of, you know, you want to be a cardiologist, a neurologist and so on. So I very casually remember getting the call and saying, no, no, I'm not interested. And the person asked me again, are you sure? I said, no. So from then on, started a different path into commerce and then pursued my MBA. And that's what got me into my first work, which was in a telco back in India. But I think the big shift happened when we moved to the UAE. And that's when I got into a, the consulting space. Of course, it was information security. So again, being a non-tech person, not the easiest thing to grapple with. I enjoyed it, loved it. Then I found my calling where it came to, you know, really trying something doing something on my own. And Abami was a platform that enabled me to do that, connect with the sport, the adrenaline side of it. That's how it all started. And that led to a beautiful four or five years with Abami. And during which I also said, you know, I also realized that there's something that I wanted to do on my own because of who I am, you know, in terms of habits and trying something. I'm somebody who believes in you start something and you try and continue it. And you don't say you're doing something till you've done it for at least a year because you're not really done it. So I wanted to build that culture of habits in organizations. That's how I started GoLive. I was still associated with Abami. That was an experience of three years. That's a, a tough one, which really didn't go the way I planned out. So we had to close down GoLive and then continue with Abami as a partner with them. And then when I came back, uh, in a way, I was involved with Abami, but fully got back again, I realized that the company had moved into a different tangent, which was to do with culture transformation and really helping organizations build and sustain culture. That's what we are doing today. And that's how I, you know, I've moved to this line. You wanted to be a doctor, look after 
the wellness of people, but you're doing it through Abami now, looking after from the corporate side of things. We'd just like to delve a little deeper. Now, I hear that you've had to travel a fair bit during, you know, your schooling and stuff. Is that true? Very true, because my dad was in the defense forces, which meant that I would stay in a school for a max of four years. So now, did this constant traveling to new places kind of contribute to who you are today? What I felt during all the travel was nothing was fixed. And that's really something that I keep with me all the time. It's just not fixed. We would just move. And we moved to some crazy locations wherein you know, we didn't have power for about five weeks. So there was no electricity for five weeks in that place. It was really so remote because of it being a strategic base. But the whole idea of uh, just moving meant I wasn't fixed to my friends. I wasn't fixed to my school. I wasn't fixed to a particular place that I like to go. You move, you adapt, and you move again. So what you take with you is you. So that makes you resilient, number one, from what I can hear. And also, as you say, at the end of the day, not to put too much stock into external things because all you can take with you at the end of the day is you. So I love that. Very, very nice. In your job description or or in talking about who you are, we mentioned that you're a consultant and a facilitator. Can you unpack that for us? What does that actually mean to be a consultant and a facilitator? The big difference would be in the methodology that is adopted while delivering that service. So as a consultant, people expect answers. And I am expected as my personal role to come up with solutions for problems. As a facilitator, my role is to ask questions that will enable the person opposite me to come up with a solution. It's quite different in terms of how we deliver the service itself. The consulting space has a lot of process-related discussions with clients. So either it be to customer centricity, framework consulting, or culture transformation consulting. Whereas facilitation would be much more intimate with a group of 15, 12, 25 people who are there for some sort of an experience that they have come for the day. But rather than just getting an answer, they probably go back with questions. That's uh, interesting. So now this, I'm assuming, is specific to what you're doing at Abami, right? That's right. Okay. So tell us a bit more about Abami and what does your current role entail? Abami is a boutique consulting firm focused on two things, culture transformation, enabling organizations to have reached that transformation objective that they are aiming to, and skilling people to uh, you know, be upskill, reskill, and using technology to enable you to constantly skill up and keep track of that as an organization. So for the organization to have a skill pool, that's what we do as a company. As a partner with Abami, the, uh, my primary role is on focused on developing markets. So KSA was a big market for us that had the potential. We had our fair share of success, but we really didn't have the focus nor the bandwidth. So over the last three years, that's been the big aim to ensure that KSA becomes, and it it is starting to turn around to become a massive market for us. We know it is a, a huge market, the opportunities there. But in terms of the service that we offer, transforming cultures is what the whole country of Saudi Arabia is currently undergoing. So we are there at a time when, the need is felt. So my primary role is that in building that market for Abami. Apart from that, as a partner, the the big difference is the term of outlook. So, or just the scope, you know, you, you, I'm involved in multiple things in terms of either be it manpower or be it the product or be it uh, basic logistics or admin or the office or the rent or anything. So primary role is uh, business, but then you have a vested interest. So uh, you're happy to see all the other directions as well. 
you are also responsible for designing and developing the different cultural transformation initiatives across industries in the region. Tell us a little bit more about that and what that involves. So organizations have realized that transforming culture is A, not simple, and B, requires expertise. The assumption that we could have an internal team to make a few announcements, put together a few jargons, and really push that down the organization is something that we know globally is not working. But it took a while for the region to realize that, okay, so we need expertise. So when we come in, we focus on the CEO to the office boy. Everybody in that organization needs to live and breathe one culture. Most of the time, the organization doesn't even know what is that single culture story that they want to spin across the organization. So starting right from defining that culture story, bringing in the leadership, but also bringing in the lowest and actually the most significant because maybe that's the person interfacing with the end customer. Getting that entire bandwidth to help define what this direction should be in terms of culture. Ensuring that the alignment of the leadership team, cohesive alignment of the leadership team is ready and well set. That's phase one. That's about defining that culture. Then we move into how do we communicate? And that's where, again, Abami brings a big difference because most of the time our work starts when a lot of the larger consulting firms have finished. They finish. There's a fantastic document that is the output of a huge amount of effort. But what the organization is aiming to see is how can this document be translated to the common employee or the associate? or the individual contributor. So Abami then takes that direction, which could be strategic, you know, the strategy document and so on, and breaks that down into palatable cultural behaviors. That is then cascaded through workshops that are extremely experiential. So as a participant, when you come for an Abami workshop, you go back with a lot of reflective moments and a lot of fun memories that get associated to behaviors. So when you then think of a behavior that you see on the wall as part of your values, you connect an experience with a colleague in the workshop or you connect with the digital interaction that you've seen as part of the culture journey. So we designed this journey of defining, communicating that culture, be it 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people. And then of course, sustaining it is about you know having the right checks in the processes. So we build that into the system. That's the systemic part of this process. But really it's about having, we build that experience for an employee to live and feel this change that the organization is aiming to achieve. And that's where we have achieved a fair amount of success. I hear you mentioning 1,000, 2,000 employees. So at what size do companies start thinking about having this kind of um, initiative put into place? The basic criteria would be something, any anybody beyond 500, 700 uh, employees. I think that's when it really starts. Either you're a very fast moving startup, very successful. But as a startup, your mindset is always uh, bottom line and top line driven. So despite the various shout outs and calls that would come in for an initiative like culture transformation, you would put that on the back burner. The moment it becomes a large enough organization that 1,500 people, we're currently working with an organization in Saudi that's 15,000 people. We're working with a bank in the region that's 5,000 people. So once the numbers go beyond a normal org chart, then that's where people realize, okay, I have a different demographic profile in India compared to a demographic profile in Cairo, compared to that in UAE, compared to that in Singapore. How am I going to enable transforming into this new culture as a central source? I can't. So we need to have somebody who has the ability to cascade across different cultures, but you know, having that unified uh, message across the organization. So typically our clients on this route are 2000 plus user clients. So do these clients generally come to you with a goal saying that there is a need for a cultural transformation within the organization? How does that work? 
this is always driven by a major strategic initiative that the organization is going through. So I'll give an example of one of our clients who is going through a major strategic initiative of changing their business operating model. So they are moving out of a centralized model where 5,000 people used to sit in one location to now being completely center of excellence based, wherein they would be in three different parts across the world. So this means a huge shift in the way the company is going to operate. And that's not just shift on paper. It's a new way of working. There's going to be remote working involved. There's going to be a customer centricity element involved very differently now because they're based in different locations. Another client is using us to enable this transformation because they are going through a process of coming up with a new set of values, but driven by a new way of physical working. So they're moving out of physical offices. There is no physical office for even the CEO of the company. Everything is a hot desk. They only have collaboration spaces. They only have spaces for two people, four people, a meeting of eight, a larger audience of 25. You have a casual seating area. You have a peaceful corner for yourself, but you still don't have your own desk. So tomorrow, if I have to come and place a family photo, I really can't because it's not my desk. That's a huge cultural shift for traditional markets. Egypt, for example, wherein the power distances, it's very clear. Hierarchy is very clear office size is a representation of your, you know, where you are placed in the org structure. So now there is no office anymore. So this is a huge shift and they are using us to help that shift be as seamless as possible. Now, what I would like to take from this is that you personally, I've always known you to be excellent at goal setting, you know, trying something different, whether it's learning a new language, taking up a new sport, traveling to a place that's generally not on the tourist agenda as such. So you kind of excel at almost everything that you take up. What is the secret to the success behind that? So normally, I never tell anybody I'm doing anything if I haven't done it for at least six months. I had a conversation, I remember, with a friend of mine. I said, he said to me, uh, you know, I'm learning, what was it? It was an instrument, it was a keyboard, I think. I said, oh, fantastic. Even I play the keyboard. That's really great. And how long have you been learning? He said, I started two weeks back. So I normally give myself six to nine months before I stop doing something. I studied Mandarin for uh, four years just because I thought that we would be in China. Maybe I wouldn't have done that had I known I wouldn't be. Nothing to do with the last two years, but I think... But I think that's where it's, uh, that's, that's the thing. Six to, to, six to nine months, otherwise, you know, you're not you're really not done it. And I feel that's my secret. I don't know if it is success or whatever, but it's my secret at least. So for example, if I've started yoga, I would do it for at least nine months to say whether it's good, bad, not working, working. And in terms of travel as well, I mean, if I've got a chance, so we'd normally look at going to a country, so Russia. So we've been to Russia and that's normally would, I would say not on, would not have been on our agenda or Iceland for that matter or Korea. But really, I haven't seen Russia. I have seen only St. Petersburg and Moscow. So if somebody says, have you seen Russia? I'd still very, normally I'd say I've been to Russia, but I've not seen it. You know, so unless you've really covered the place or you've done something, you haven't done it. And that's, so that's the same kind of analogy with starting something new. As part of this process now, am I right in saying that Abami was responsible for bringing Simon Sinek to the region? I have to admit partially. So Abami has uh, partnered with an organization called Degreed, which is uh, a radical technology company that changes the way people learn wherein they democratize learning and put that into the hands of the learner rather than learning being managed. So Degreed is a global uh, is a global player. They have over 500 clients globally. They, as part of their event, brought in Simon Sinek. We are a partner here with Degreed. So we were really happy to ensure that all prospects, clients in the region know about it and attend the event. So that's really how Simon Sinek happened. So 2014 was an important year for you. Do you want to talk about GoLive and your GoLive Mobility Solutions and how you got into that idea? 
whenever I look back, every time I just think how innocent, how naive, and I smile about it. So really, the whole idea was I wanted to do something that is connected to my personal ethos. My personal ethos is, you know, habits, you got to do stuff beyond work, you know, it's important. Well-being is, in my books, not about how many steps you take or how much you eat. That's basic. I mean, you need to do that. For me, it's about, you know, do you play an instrument? Do you read? Do you call your mother-in-law once? And that's really well-being. Do you sleep eight hours a day? So the whole idea was I was looking at something that would help organizations build a culture of healthy habits. And that's where I stumbled upon this organization that was a startup themselves. They had something really unique. I brought that to the region. And I had uh, grand plans. Obviously, the maturity of the market was something I hadn't read well enough. So it was a great concept when I presented it, but didn't fly beyond that. So I think the market A was not ready. Now, when I look around, there are a lot of organizations spending a lot of effort and time uh, focusing on well-being. Those four years, those three and a half years were the, the most hectic, pressure-filled and financially draining years of my life. And of course, with that, on the family front, at the end of that journey was when we uh, we expect we were expecting twins. So icing on the cake for that roller coaster ride. So in building the solution, it was almost in your own life what it was meant to accomplish in the lives of people by the sounds of things. Yeah, it just didn't fly. You're ahead of the curve. That's a nice way of putting it. Because it's coming and people are far more conscious of the need today to be balanced in all aspects of our lives than people were a few years ago. If uh, a couple of years further down the line, the the timing would have been perfect. So based on your experience and um, your research, what do you think are the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs, especially expats in this region? I think prima facie, the cost of doing business is very high. It might look like small numbers when you start off, but my personal experience is that when you put in your own money, then you realize how every thousand for every different element adds up. It's a high cost region, or I would say city for a startup. That's definitely number one. I also felt that partnerships were not as easy. That's my personal opinion. Weren't as easy as it maybe would have been in a more startup friendly ecosystem. Every partnership needed you to have huge credentials. But if I had such credentials, I wouldn't have really wanted to partner. I would have led the discussion. So be it a bank or be it uh, be it anybody else. It was always about how much, you know, I must, if I'm a startup, then you've got to believe in the idea and back the idea, not back my grounding and my footing in terms of how much financially or how much, uh, you know, in terms of the network. It's just the perspective that you need to have a lot more than just initial few breakthroughs to establish partnerships. That's what I felt. So these were the two big challenges that I felt were uh, difficult. It took a lot of time and effort. And of course, the third thing is in terms of sheer mindset. If it is an idea that is requiring people to think differently, I found it a challenge because mine definitely was something that required people to push the envelope and say, hey, we are really committed to well-being as a cost and not just as a something to have for freedom. With that in mind, with your experience in mind, what tips would you give to other startup entrepreneurs in terms of setting up their own business in the UAE? When I tied up for GoLive, the partner that I tied up with was also a startup. They were really good, but they were also a startup. So that's when somewhere I realized that my partnership needed to have been, if I was a startup, I needed to have a partner who was much more solid than I was. Because if both of us are trying to scramble and run helter-skelter, because both of us are small, that was a challenge. So having that right partner to back you, not financially only, 
I mean, partner as a support uh, unit or an additional service. That's something that is, needs to be very clear before you get onto that path in the UAE, at least, because it's not easy to get those partnerships forged here. That was one of the big things. And second thing which I spoke about was reading the market was something that, I don't know, maybe I could have read the 2015 uh, oil crash. If I could have, I would have maybe made a lot of money elsewhere. With your glass ball. Yeah, exactly. If you had your crystal ball untuned in, maybe you would have known the future, right? The market's so volatile, dependent on a few things. And when that happened, it just all just crashed. And that's that was a standstill. So do you have the backing with you to last two, three years when it's not really picking up? But at the end of the day, I still, you know, while I'm always, uh, I look back with uh, reflection. If I had not done it, I would have been more itchy now than I would have. So I've done something, I've started it, and okay, went through three years at peace with myself because I really gave it a shot. And for that matter, the bug continued because that's what I'm doing now as well. Naveen, I'm going to move away from all of this. We know that you are excellent at pretty much any sport uh, that you play and you were crowned Mr. Speed during your management studies at TAPMI in Manipal. And we were also the best student. I would love to hear you talk more about that. So Mr. Speed is a, a memory etched forever. So thanks for bringing that up. That really is a fun-filled memory. So that's a competition that happens between all the years in the college. There are so many different sport events that you can enroll for individual sport and team sport. I represented my batch. And it was a really hard fought to, I think, a month and a half. We, we had all kinds of sport, including go-karting. And I think there were close to 35 different sports, including carom and chess. So being crowned Mr. Speed which was, you know, the individual athlete who, who excelled in that, that period. That was really a good, fun experience. And uh, also best student? Best student was a surprise. I can't say I was surprised at getting it, but there were 10 people who could have. I would say one of the goosebump moments for me, because there's a, it's a citation that is read out by one of India's biggest entrepreneurs. And he was the chief guest on that day. Actually, till the night before, nobody knows who's going to get it. But I needed to know because I needed to make a speech. I remember getting a call at about 5.30 the previous evening and says, okay, you're going to get this. So you, A, you got to not tell anybody and B, you got like four hours, or 9 a.m. or 8.30 is the thing, the session, the ceremony. So I remember sitting in, in the audience and nobody having a clue who's going to get it. And it's a huge citation that's read out. So just to say thank you, just to look up and say thank you. It was an awesome moment. So you've had some excellent success so far. You're traveling a lot, you're experiencing a lot. What else is there in the future? Do you have any plans, um, anything that's next for you that you can tell us about? From an Abami perspective, it's very clear. So currently we are focused on two markets mainly. UAE and Saudi. You know, my objective is to really take Abami as a into the region, including Africa, as a strong consulting firm, the really regional footprint that can attract and retain high quality, high caliber talent. So that's the focus for me. It's pretty zoned in now. Personally, I am convinced that there is something beyond all of this that exists. It is a kind of a not non-commercial and non-business route, but there is something that's beyond all of this. So I'm seeking and I definitely believe I've begun. So it's taken a few years, but I've begun. The question is when the situations become more difficult, how will I react? So what's next for me is to see when really things get tough, am I going to move back into the typical way of doing things? Things, or am I going to be able to disconnect myself more from a spiritual perspective? You know? Because I'm pretty convinced that all this is, is really not what we are after. There is something beyond. What is that is a big question. So that's where I spend a lot of my time outside of them. You've got an open mind and open to experiences, open to seeing what happens next. 
And Hilmiri, there are some amazing experiences that I'm sure you also know of that are beyond this, what we see and do. But I'm sure there's a way of at least experiencing one fraction of that somewhere. So personally, travel and things like that will happen. You know, kids, I've got three kids. So yeah, financially, they've got to have, you know, you've got to have the, the bandwidth over the next 15 years and the typical tick boxes that need to happen. I'm pretty convinced there's something beyond all that. Excellent. So now we have come to the segment of our show. We're going to ask you a couple of uh, rapid fire questions. Okay. Ready. As ever. As long as it's a game. <laughs> Let's play. The first thing that pops in your head. Can you name one thing on your bucket list? To fly a MiG-29 in Russia. Next one. Talking about missiles. Federer, Nadal or Djokovic? The best player. Federer. Tennis or badminton? The sport you love more. Tennis. And what is one thing that you do every day? no matter how busy you are. Play or talk to my kids. That was easy. So that's over. That was the game show. Now, before we wrap up, we would like to do our green pill moment. So for this segment, I would like to ask you, what green pill advice would you give to your younger self? I'd say, hey, Naveen, you're excited. You're really passionate about doing something. Before you do it, have a chat with people who have gone down that route before and have a serious conversation. I know you've thought about it and I know that you're convinced that what you're doing is the right thing, but just think about it again and then go for it. Excellent. So thank you very much for sharing your fantastic and your inspiring story with us today. I'm sure our audience is going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation as much as we have. Thank you so much. Thank you, Naveen. Naveen, just before we say goodbye and a final thank you, could you please tell our listeners where they can find you and follow you? And we'll put that uh, in the show notes as well. I am on LinkedIn and you can find me at Naveen Narendran. That's my name. But I'm not really on Facebook. Social media brownie points for me are below zero. And for Abami? Abami is. Abami is on Instagram. Abami is on Twitter. Abami is on LinkedIn. So Abami Consulting, please, that's where we are. Thanks so much, Naveen. Thanks. It was uh, really lovely talking to you and uh, listening to that uh, journey and all that you shared with us so openly. And we wish you and Abami and the family uh, good luck for the future. Thank you so much, Melvin. Thanks so much, Hilmiri. Thanks for making me reflect again. It was a wonderful journey back into the past. Thank you for being with us. Thanks so much. If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.